It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. After the Bengals lose in Washington 20-9, but that is pretty inconsequential at this stage of the game. The big story, of course, is the injury suffered by quarterback Joe Burrow that appears to be season-ending. He pretty much tweeted as much after the game saying, can't get rid of me that easy. See you next year. So I think the safe assumption is he is uh, out at least till then. And honestly, I really no other updates as we're doing this podcast. If it could be anything further, it's obviously very early in the process, but it sounds like uh, Rick, he already knows he's not going to be back the rest of this year. And after watching what took place, uh, that's a pretty safe assumption. Yeah. And I mean, I guess when you think about it, if there was any type of knee injury, really to any extent, if he would be out for the rest of the year. So that doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, fully blown knee or anything like that. But for anyone that went back and watched the replay, it certainly didn't look good. It's basically the worst possible scenario. You've got one 300-pound man on you up top going one direction and another 300-pound man coming in at you low, going the other direction, right into your knee at an at an angle. Uh, that's usually a recipe for disaster. So it, it it certainly did not look good in the replay. And once he got carted off the field, it looked like he knew things were bad. So uh, certainly just a really it's, tough day of football. Tweaking, yeah. Yeah, and his tweet kind of confirms it too. Obviously, that he knows he's he's not coming back th- this season. Um, not for nothing because I think every time a Bengals player gets hit, people think it was dirty. I don't know if it was dirty, but did did you think it did? Probably should have been penalized. It would seem to be the exact letter of the rule: the hitting a quarterback low thing. Right. And and granted, when you rewatch the play, he's still kind of engaged with a blocker, so I know that can make it uh, a little bit of a gray area there. But for the most part, I've seen like even if you're just falling into the quarterback's legs and you're not trying to dive in there intentionally or anything, they still throw the flag from what I understand and the way the, the rule is intended. So I would have thought it was a penalty at the same time. I assume what they were saying was he kind of got blocked into him. Uh, Joe Burrow, Rick was really the only thing that made this season pretty interesting for the most part. Um, Now we have six weeks without Joe Burrow. We wanted to continue to see his development, um, you know, they were up nine, seven at the half. He'd played a really good first half. They left some points on the board, obviously, but you felt really good at coming out of halftime that, okay, as, as bad as things had gone and Randy Bullock had missed a couple of field goals, won a, a 58 yarder that listen, you know, have a good second half here, get a win here. You got a couple more winnable games, start to build some momentum. And so I don't even know what there is to look forward to over the next six weeks. I mean, there's really nothing, right? Well, that's the thing there. There's really no upside or young stars. I mean, granted, Jesse Bates is an unbelievable uh, season and he's on the rise on the defensive side. Yeah, but but I I, I ain't buying a ticket to go watch a safety play. Oh, hell no, of course. And it's not like he really makes an overall difference on the defense. The defense is still terrible, as we saw uh, for the second half of this game. And then on the offensive side, it's like, yeah, a guy like T. Higgins uh, has a bright future, but what is he going to be worth with Ryan Finley throwing footballs to him and Zach Taylor calling the plays and this offensive line blocking still? So, yeah, there is really nothing to watch, uh, no hope the rest of the year. It'll be an absolute chore to get through the rest of this season if you're a Bengals fan. And I can't imagine many are going to continue watching this team the rest of the year. I know the narrative after the game was that the Bengals did a disservice to Joe Burrow by not addressing the offensive line. I, I should note that he th- dropped back to throw 32 times. He was barely hit all day. He had not suffered a sack um, 
while he was in the game at all. I think it's a little bit of a lazy narrative. Um, I know you'll probably disagree with that because obviously then Ryan Finley, I, I think the, the noticeable difference was how the ball doesn't come out on time with Ryan Finley. Um, they were able to really, it was almost like sharks in the water, smelling blood and all that stuff. I think it's always easy to point the finger at, at front office, et cetera. I mean, this was almost so freaky, to be honest with you. I don't know if there's anybody to blame. I really don't. I know I know everyone wants to point the finger of blame somewhere. I've got a, an inkling where I might point it here in a second, but but what do you say? I don't, I'm not willing to just throw my hands up and go, oh, well, things happen. That's football. Like people have been saying all year, Joe Burrow is going to get killed because of this offensive line. It's not like it was a new narrative. You, it may be lazy, but for me, it's lazy because it's been said every single week since the season started and really since before then. I guess to me, the bigger question is what should the Bengals have done differently to address the offensive line? Because I will admit that I was probably wrong uh, before the season when you're talking about the, really going back before the draft, I said, I think you have to go through this season, if you're the Bengals, and see what you have at the offensive line position because you have all these Michael Jordans and Trey Hopkins and uh, name any of the young offensive linemen who are just kind of like there, and we don't really know if they're NFL players or not yet. You had to figure out, are these guys or not, before you started adding more second and third and fourth round offensive linemen that were going to be fringe NFL players. If you were going to get go out and draft an absolute stud in the first round, that's one thing. But once except you're getting a problem, except for one problem, you drafted a guy in the first round. He was your quarterback. Well, right. And then that, that's my point. Like they weren't going to do that last year. So I was kind of of the opinion that I don't know how much good it does you to draft another fringe offensive lineman to add to the mix right. of fringe offensive linemen that you have. Now, what could they have done differently in free agency? I know there were a few guys who were named out there before the season started and really after the first week or two and guys, some guys got cut that people said, hey, they should give this guy a look. And maybe that's what they should have done. I'm not sure. What, what, what is your take overall on? I know you're saying there maybe shouldn't be blame and that's a lazy narrative, but do you think there was something that the Bengals could have done differently to address the offensive line, whether it be in, you know, before the season started or once we got into the season on the waivers or what have you? I, I think they did try to do some of that. Hence Quentin Spain's being, being signed. Um, I, could you have traded for Trent Williams? I know that seems to be everybody's hot take. Um, and that's all it is, is a hot take. I don't think they were ever going to trade for him. No, don't forget, it's, there's not finite money here either, folks. I mean, you know, they, they spent a bunch on defense, hoping the defense could improve. I think where they did Joe Burrow a disservice, to be quite frank, Rick, and I think this is where I'm going to point the finger at Zach Taylor just a little bit, is you drop back a you drop back any quarterback in this league on a regular basis 40 to 45 times a game, and he was on pace to drop back, what, probably 50 times today? You're just yeah. asking for it. You're just asking for trouble. I mean, well, well and that's against a, a crappy defense who wasn't really slowing the Bengals running game down either. Right. It's like right. you can be more balanced. And but at the same time, like I hear that, but this season is about developing Joe Burrow, right? And you can say, well, part of that is protecting him, and you should have been more balanced because this offensive yes. line stinks, yes. and you should have limited yes. the amount of times. But that type of play could happen on any given time that he drops back. And he makes plays when you're passing the ball. Like to me, developing him means giving them those opportunities to get on a roll and play well on offense. Like if they were just teeing off on him all game yeah, no, because the Bengals bad. were behind and you're losing in the second half and you're still letting him drop back and they're just blitzing every play. Then yeah, to me, you're not protecting him enough, but to me, I don't really have an issue with the amount of times he dropped back in this game because it was a competitive game that you were 
actually leading in when, when he left and, and very much had a chance to win. And he, he gives you the best chance to win if we're being honest. So I didn't really have as much of a problem with that other than I get it. Hindsight is always 2020 and, and all the football experts on Twitter were immediately like, you shouldn't be letting him drop back that much. So maybe that's fair. Maybe you have to be the adult in the room and say, we're going to protect you. Even if it comes at the cost of us playing our best football and your development to a certain extent, but me personally, I didn't have a huge problem with the, the game plan today. I have a, a bigger problem with the guys that are blocking for him and have been blocking for him all year. But again, I don't know what the move they should have made was, you know? Yeah. I know that, that, that I've gotten a bunch of people that have tweeted at me that, that, that they should have benched Joe Burrow for the rest of this year. Don't let him get hurt. Uh, I mean, that's crazy. I, I, I think that's crazy. I, I'm with you. I, I mean, to me, it's if we're looking to develop the guy, how are you developing him? And I know you can argue, well, wait till there's good pieces around him. How do you know? Like I said, I mean, if you watch most of today, I thought the line did a pretty good job. Now, some of that's Joe Burrow getting the ball out of his hands quickly. But some of that also goes, you know, hand in hand. Some of it's the quarterback helping the line. Some of it's the line helping the quarterback. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't buy into that one either. I know that's, that's, that's out there. I know a lot of people truly believe that. I, I will say this. And it goes to that hole when you get all excited over drafting a franchise quarterback, number one overall, or in the top five, you know, number two, number three, usually means you're a crappy team and you don't have the pieces around him. And it makes me continue to wonder, and I wrote this before the draft, if it's not better to go ahead and build your team and then go find your quarterback, as opposed to find your quarterback and build your team. I know that the consensus Uh has been get the guy on the rookie contract, build around him. Okay, and maybe this offseason they could have addressed some more things and they probably would have. But it just makes me wonder. I mean, first round number one overall quarterbacks in this league anymore just don't win because there's not enough pieces around them. Uh, I mean, I get that, but the truly special ones do then end up elevating the the franchise and you you don't need to have everything perfect if you've got that star if you have that superstar quarterback like some people believe joe burrow was going to be you need fewer pieces around him to make it work and if i mean if we're talking about a franchise like the Bengals, who are notoriously cheap notoriously bad at evaluating talent and you're going to say we're waiting for them to build the perfect team before they're going to take a, a franchise quarterback well, I mean, they're never going to draft a franchise quarterback. We're just going to be waiting forever for that because they're never going to have the perfect team in place. I don't I don't agree with that. I think you go ahead and you get your franchise quarterback, but you're also talking to a guy who last year before the draft, I didn't hate the idea of taking a game changer like Chase Young in the pass rush because I knew the Bengals had a major hole there and waiting a year for Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, I mean, I, I thought Joe Burrow was the right pick. He has clearly proven to be the right pick. He looked awesome. But that, that this is why I had thought maybe you should sure up a few things around. And, and Ch- Chase Young isn't going to make a difference in terms of protecting Joe Burrow, but no, right. you wouldn't have Joe Burrow out there. You know what I mean? You'd, you'd still have uh, Andy Dalton or Ryan Finley or some other veteran journeyman right now while you're hopefully putting a few more pieces in place. But, you know, you, you draft Chase Young this year and Trevor Lawrence next year, and theoretically he's probably behind a crappy offensive line getting beat up too. So Yeah, probably, probably although it gives you another offseason to – I mean, this past offseason was one in which there were so many holes you were not going to be able to address them all. You just were not. Yeah, but how many and did they really shore up, if we're being honest? They have well, no pass hard rush. To, they well, have no secondary. Because, they have right, no linebackers. They have no up, offensive it, line. It's hard to tell because Trey Wayne's Doug didn't play. DJ Reader barely played. So I think some of that's hard to tell. And the jury's out a little bit on it. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it, DJ Reader, especially the secondary stuff. I have my doubts, but 
Yeah. And, and again, I mean, I think this whole thing smacks of this organization. It feels like it's just, it's, it's stuck in the mud and it's never going to get out. And, and when anything good happens, it's going to get pulled out from underneath you. It really, it, it just, I, I hate to use the term jinx cause it just, it, but it feels, it really feels that way. I mean, it feels totally that way. It t- yeah. I mean, it definitely does. And as much as, you know, they draft Joe Burrow and everyone's talking about, they're going to ruin him and this, that, and the other. And you want to, you want to be like, I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, what's, what's the difference between the Bengals and any other bad franchise that's been losing? You know, you, you got to find your guy and you got to build from that. And you, you think things are moving in the right direction, but then they do. I mean, like the, I'm not saying Joe Burrow's ruined, but this is a huge setback for what looked like the beginning of a superstar career. It just sucks. And it, it, it's amazing that it keeps happening. Things like that keep happening to this franchise. It, it does. I will say this though. I mean, you could probably go down almost every quarterback in this league and they've suffered some level of catastrophic injury. I mean, literally I could probably go to, I bet you I could go to 26 of the 32 guys that well, 32 didn't start this week, but 26 of the 32 guys that would normally start maybe this coming week when we go back to all 16 games. And I guarantee you, they've suffered some level of catastrophic injury. Aaron Rodgers, I'm watching his game as we're talking right now. He suffered a catastrophic injury before. Um, the guy he played across the field from today, Alex Smith, almost lost his life and then almost lost his leg. Um, and he's back out there playing in return. So I think that's, I guess the solace I take is it, it sucks in the moment, but I've seen guys come back from this. And, yeah, and I've seen guys come back and be fine from this eventually. It just stinks because there's literally nothing left to, to, to look forward to for the rest of this season. And then you still are on pins and needles when he comes back uh, moving forward in the future because all you're going to do is hold your breath and hope he doesn't take another hit on that knee again. And fortunately, in this day and age, the way they do that surgery and repair knees, not only are guys able to recover from it and play again, but they don't seem to lose a, a crazy amount of athleticism, right, you know, I mean, right. Adrian Peterson is a freak, but like, that's a perfect example of a guy who came back and was still super explosive and was able to take the pounding as a running back. Um, it just sucks to happen this early in your career. I mean, you're still trying to figure things out. And as you're developing the mental side of it and getting used to things and the game starting to slow down for you a little bit. Okay. Now you're going to have to come back from a catastrophic knee injury. You're going to be second guessing yourself when you're in the pocket next, when you do return, it's just a lot to go into it, even just from a mental standpoint for a young guy like that who hasn't quite made it yet and is still going to have a fledgling team around him that's uh, probably not going to be very good when he comes back. Yeah, I think you made a really good, interesting point, Rick, about about his mentality moving forward because this is a guy the two years at LSU and had a lot of clean pockets to throw from at LSU, obviously, and, and here he is early in this career. Um, I think he does have the mental makeup that he's going to attack rehab as hard as he possibly can, that he's going to want to prove that, that, that this is just a minor setback and all those things. But human nature is what it is, and so it makes me really interested to see him the next time on a football field. How much does he worry about people around him in the pocket? How, Cause that's the one thing I thought he's done a really good job of, of hanging in there for the most part. And then at times creating plays and extending plays, how much does he start bailing earlier moving forward? I know this is jumping ahead a ton, but I think it's an interesting point you bring up because um, again, this is a guy who hasn't had to deal with this before. And the biggest difference between, I mean, he's just more talented than Andy Dalton. Like, let's start there. I'm not trying to make direct comparison between the two. But to me, the biggest difference between watching the two and why he's so much better already is that he has that poise. Andy Dalton, when he started getting that pressure and he got hit a time or two, and then he's, you know, guys were around his feet and falling down. He just never had that poise to sit in the pocket and make a really good, strong throw. And Joe Burrow's so good at that. Does he lose some of that now when he comes back? Well, all of a sudden he doesn't, he's not quite as special as he, he was, you know, I mean, that, that's just a big difference. The one thing I would love to hear 
I would love to have like transcripts or recordings of the conversations between Joe Burrow and his father after games this season. Like, you know, he says all the right things in the media, right. but when you're sure, talking right. to your dad, oh, right. you're like, you know, on the other guys on your team. Like that's, let's be honest. That's how it happens when you were playing high school ball or whatever you get home and you start talking about how much Billy blocking for you sucks. I would love to hear like what they've been saying about Michael Jordan and Bobby Hart and guys like that, because, you know, and, and by the way, everyone is crushing Michael Jordan and rightfully so he got manhandled on the play. And ultimately the guy bull rushing him and, and throwing him on the ground is who injured Joe Burrow, but even more so on that play, I think the guy at fault is Kima Denegy because he didn't block his man at all. And that's the guy who hit Joe Burrow up top. If you just have someone fall into your legs, it's not necessarily as dangerous if you don't have a 300 pounder absolutely crushing you up top going the other direction. So it's as much on identity at right tackle as it was uh, Jordan at left guard. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, for the, for the most part, um, that line did a pretty good job. And as a quarterback, you are going to get a hit. And I just, I come back to it was just a freaky, freaky thing. And yeah, I don't know if I, I agree with, with them being doing a good job. They haven't done a good job all year. They've played slightly better over the last few weeks, but they still suck. Let's be honest. I mean, I, I, I think they've actually played pretty well. I, I do. Um, but that's neither here nor there. All right. So, so now over these last six games, we're going to see Ryan Finley and that's not going to change my mind at all. Cause he's not going to play well. Cause he's not very good. Can we talk about some of the passes he threw today? I know he was on his back a lot. He's brutal. He's, he's just horrible. Those but, passes. I, I, I wouldn't say it was laughter coming out of my mouth, but they were just like weird yelps and noises. Every time you let go of a pass that bounced 10 feet in front of his receiver, it was fascinating to watch the fact that that guy is earning NFL paychecks. Yeah, no, no question about it. So we're not going to find anything else about him. But here's, here's the, I guess, the overriding question for me. What does this do for Zach Taylor's future, in your opinion? Oh, man, that is a great question. Because on one hand, you would think, okay, he's doomed now because they're not going to win any games the rest of the way, more than or likely. You, or, or you think vice versa, that that's, he's safe now because it's not his fault. That's the big concern I have, especially with this front office. If they're going to say, well, look, what do you expect him to do once Joe Burrow went out? They got to a point where some games were winnable. They had a chance to win the game before Burrow went out against Washington. And it's not Zach Taylor's fault that they only won two games this season. So I'm very much concerned that that is going to be the problem. I told you before I was worried about them winning four games in a row or going three and one right here. And that absolving Zach Taylor of all his previous sins. And now I'm afraid Joe Burrow's injury might do that. But I think, I mean, what did you think of his comments after the game about everything? Because there was a lot of talk on Twitter. People get mad about anything this coaching staff does at this point, if we're being right. honest, because of the losing. What did you think of his actual comments? Did you think uh, he, was, he was right in what he said and for the most part handled it well? I, I think he was shell-shocked, to be honest with you, of, of you know, th this was his guy moving forward. His guy's now hurt. How do I handle this? And I know that most coaches try to put the brave face on of, you know, we're just going to move forward with the guys we have and all that stuff. I honestly think he looked shell-shocked to me, and he sounded shell-shocked, and I, I get it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to fault anything of what he said in the post game. I, I, I think he's got to have some time to, to absorb a little bit of this. But here, here's the thing, though, is, um, yeah, I know that we were at phase of, of potential winnable games, and I wanted to see how Zach Taylor did in these handful of games. But at the same time, if, if they go 0-6, I don't know if we can absolve the blame of, well, he didn't have Joe Burrow. Cause I would flip it up and say, well, when you had Joe Burrow, you only won two games. And quite frankly, it tells me that, that Joe Burrow means more to winning games than the head coach. Right. So why not? Let's get somebody else that maybe is going to improve Joe Burrow even more moving forward. Totally agree. Yeah, I think that's the exact right way to look at this. That's how I would be approaching it. And there's no question Zach Taylor would not be back after this year, especially because you have this kind of break in Joe Burrow's development. I mean, hell, right. 
I would fire Zach Taylor right now for being honest. I've already seen plenty. No, I know the Bengals aren't going to do that, but right now seems like the perfect time. He's he's no longer developing Joe Burrow the rest of the season. So get him out of there. Get someone new. Of course, there's no one really new out there right now that you can hire that's going to be good. Right. So it'd be like right. an interim guy to finish out the season. But you can start the process now of looking for your next guy, letting the world know that the Bengals job is going to be open. Uh, you know, and and who knows what the right hire would be or who's going to be the the candidate that that leads the way for for that potential opening. But I, yeah, I think that with this being a sort of a refresh or a reset or a pause in Joe Burrow's development, I think it's the perfect time to get rid of Zach Taylor. And it, what you said is exactly how I'd be approaching it. Yeah. And that, that, that to me, it, it sounds harsh, but um, again, um, no, he was lucky to get the job in the first place. Yes. And, and that, that's where I go back to. It feels like they did a disservice by, by literally dialing up so many pass plays. And I know that you can argue, well, that's how you're trying to win games but I'm also trying to develop this quarterback. I mean, this season wasn't about winning games. This was about developing Joe Burrow moving forward and seeing how things were developing as we went. And look, winning games is, is part of it. They keep score for a reason, but I was not completely measuring this season all along on all wins and losses. Some of it, yes, but not all of it. Right. And so now we're at the stage of, okay, look, if, if, if the, you know, it, it's, it is a perfect time to hit the reset button on all this. It really is. I think the issue, you know, with the winning thing is you're right. It, it shouldn't be about winning games this season, but for Zach Taylor, this four game stretch, I mean, we talked about it all week last week. It very much was, you know, it was time he had to win right now. And during this stretch and, you know, um, I'm not saying that's right or wrong for dropping Joe Burrow back as much as he did. Again, I didn't have a huge problem with it, but now he's in the situation he's in. And I, to me, it's, it's unfathomable that he would survive this and still be the coach next year. But at the same time, it, it really wouldn't surprise me knowing what we know about the Bengals organization. Yeah, I mean, extenuating circumstances or not, if he's 427 and one after this season, I mean, come on. <laughs> how? How can you keep bringing him back and, and keep a straight face when you walk in that locker room and look at the players? Well, that's the other part. And I, I think that's the, 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 the overriding part then for what's going to be the rest of this year. Listen, the whole, the whole mantra has been um, – you're getting into a stretch where maybe you can win some games. Guys are still playing hard. Maybe not all, and some have maybe sold out, but for the most part, guys are still in. Now my question is with no Joe Burrow, who's kind of been the rallying cry for everybody, right? Offensive players, defensive players, veterans, guys who are no longer here. I mean, I'll give Carlos Dunlap credit. He tweeted something about Burrow and, you know, basically, you know, kind of a sorry it happened, keep your head up. And I think that was a nice move. So obviously there's a lot of guys that, that, that really bought into him, gravitated towards him, started to hang their hat that he was the guy. So now who's going to be the guy that they rally around over the last six games? Should that be the head coach? And if it's not the head coach, then what does that clearly tell you? That, listen, Joe Burrow, it doesn't matter who the coach is. They're going to rally around him. So then let's go get a new coach. Well, my question for you is kind of piggybacking off that. If you're a guy like, I mean, Joe Mixon clearly isn't coming back the rest of the year. I think that was already decided before today. And now that Burrow's out, there is zero chance he would come back. <laughs> um, good point. AJ Green if you're going to be playing out the oh. string on the rest oh. of this season with with Ryan Finley throwing you balls behind that offensive line with this guy calling the plays, do you think A.J. Green is going to play out the rest of this season? I mean, how many guys do you think end up just calling it quits? Well, that's my point then. So how much of that would be an indictment on the head coach? Oh, 100%. I've been saying that since last year. The fact that all these guys just think it's okay to quit on Zach Taylor in this locker room, regardless of what their record is, to me shows a total lack of respect for Zach Taylor and shows you exactly how much they think of him. I, again, 
there's there's certain incidents and there's isolated things where you can look past it. But when it just keeps becoming a thing with different guys who have never even been a problem before, I mean, AJ Green, Carlos Dunlop, you're talking about guys that have, you know, Carlos has needed to be motivated before, but he's never been like a problem in terms of his character. So I think we've clearly seen what the players think of Zach Taylor in terms of how much respect they have for him. I think AJ Green's definitely going to call it quits here sooner than later. I know Joe Mixon's not coming back at this point. So uh, I, I think you're right. That's an indictment on Zach Taylor and another reason that he just can't be the coach here any longer. All right. So, so what is his measuring stick for the last six games in your opinion? <laughs> and that's a good question. I mean, if he wins anything, you have to kind of tip your cap to him. Cause I don't know how this team finds a way to win a game. Yeah. Honestly. I, I, I I think I'm with you. I, I don't either. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that it saves, it should save his job. To, to me, I would have already made up my mind. And Zach Taylor is not our guy going forward unless they had just, you know, basically won out the rest of this year and you really saw some improvements, but uh, based on what we're about to see from this team, which means more than likely zero wins. Uh, I don't know what the measuring stick could possibly be for him in, in terms of success. And, and I will say for the fan base that, that had something to hang their hat on. I mean, you talk about deflating going into with what all that's taken place this season, you talk about deflating going into even next year, man. Oh man. I, I, oh, it's I, awful. I, I think it's hard. I, I think it'd be hard to be a Bengals fan. Those of you that still are going to do it through thick and thin. Good for you. But I think it's very, very difficult because there really is very little to look forward to over the last six weeks. I mean, basketball could not be coming at a better time. No, right, I, I hope, right. you know, I hope most of the people watching the Bengals right now are, are not football only people, because if you are, you better turn over to UC because that's yeah, the right, only hope right. you got in the city right now. No doubt about it. All right, Rick, anything else from this today's game that, that stuck out to you? Uh, my, my last question for you would be, yeah. do you think Ryan Finley is the guy, period, the rest of the season, or do you think they try to do something else, work something else in there? I don't. I mean, Brandon Allen's the, the third guy that they'll bring up this week, and he's a journeyman hack at best. Um, no, I think you get to see six more games of Ryan Finley for his NFL career. And then he becomes the Matt Barkley of the NFL. Um, you know, and I think this also, that's, that's what this proved too, that, that you need to have a more, much more capable backup. I know that listen, if Joe's healthy, he's taken almost every snap, but this league just isn't about that. I mean, you, you better have somebody more capable. We'll see. I mean, maybe Ryan Finley will prove me wrong, but all I know is I've, I've been, I've been on the anti Ryan Finley train since the first time I saw him in rookie minicamp as you, you have been. And uh, he's done nothing to dissuade me from that, the, the way he's played. It's just, honestly, it's amazing because even when they've had, you know, Jeff Driscoll's of the world or other practice squad type guys, they've all looked like they could at least spin the football like an NFL quality guy. They can, they can throw the ball with some velocity on in a tight spiral. Ryan Finley just, I mean, short hops everything. He has zero arm strength. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I, it was weird. I, th there was, a, I think, the fourth down play late where they went for it, and he uh, he did a pretty good job to escape and buy time. And he kind of squared his shoulders up and was going to get ready to step into a throw. And I thought, oh, my gosh, he's going to make a play. And he short hopped. I think it was Tyler Boyd by a good 10 yards in front of him. And I kept thinking, that looked like a throw that was made when you know the guy's wide open and you're just making sure you get it in there. That. That, that told me all you need to know about the guy's arm strength, too. He just doesn't have any. There's just none. It's non-existent. You've said that since day one, you saw him in training camp, honestly, and that is definitely never wavered. So, so. so how is it that the, 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 the scouting department doesn't see that? I, I don't get it, man. I mean, <laughs> I do not understand how he is on any NFL rosters. I don't mean to be mean to the guy. I'm sure he's great. Um, I think he's yeah, trying. He I just has no arm strength. Yeah, I think he's a douche. I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I've thought that since I've talked to him. I, I don't. I, yeah. Fair enough, uh, then. Maybe he's not I, a good guy. Yeah, I mean, he, he might be a good guy. I just think he's a douche. That's all. So, um, <laughs> you know, 
I, I look, the, the, I, I, I got to cover these guys for the next six weeks, bro. That's it true. ain't going to be any fun. No, it's not. No, it's not. God bless you for that. I don't know how we're going to do this podcast. We'll do it because then we got more <laughs> things to make fun of probably. So that'll, that'll make it more fun. It'll be much more enjoyable making fun of things moving forward. There's not much to make fun of tonight. Tonight is a, uh, a somber night if you're a Bengals fan. For it sure. is a rough, rough day of football. That is for no certain. Doubt. All right, Rick, I appreciate it. We'll be back on Wednesday of this week. We'll, we'll tape our uh, weekly podcast the day before Thanksgiving so we can get that up and out there. Um, the day that kind of college basketball, we think, we hope, unless you're playing in the Mohegan Sun or something up in South Dakota where teams are pulling out left and right. Um, but hopefully we'll have some college basketball to talk about this week. We'll talk some college football and, of course, the fallout from the Joe Burrow injury. Uh, that'll be up on Wednesday of this week for the regular Skinny Podcast. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast. The Bengals, Sombre, Post-Game Edition.